Today we wrap up a series we've been in, just a brief one, called God's Will for You. And as I've reminded you each uh, week in this little series, uh, the most commonly asked question of pastors is, what does God want from me? It's asked in many ways. What is God's will for my life? Uh, should I go to this school? Is this the time you believe in our journey to start uh, a family? Uh, where should we live? Should I take this opportunity across the country? And so on and so on. And people go to all kinds of extremes and ways to try to find God's will. You may like the fortune cookie method. I don't know. Or you look in a fortune cookie and try to find God's will for you that way. Some like that little children's toy called the Magic 8 Ball. It has like 20 responses in it. And you shake it and a different one comes up. And maybe you like that and you shake it and shake it until the answer you want finally rises to the screen. Or maybe you seek God's will by asking Siri. I don't know. <laughs> it's very popular these days, you know to ask Siri all kinds of questions. She's full of information. I, one of the most commonly asked questions of Siri is what is the meaning of life? And I asked her that the other day, Siri, what is the meaning of life? And she said, I can't answer that now, but give me time to write a very long play in which nothing happens. Okay. All right. I understand that Siri sometimes, when asked that all-important question about the meaning of life, sometimes she answers chocolate. So maybe she does really know after all. That's a pretty good answer. But how do we know what God wants from us? Well, we've been exploring that in these three little verses from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. If you have a Bible of your own, I'd certainly invite you to open it right there to chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians. And here, here are the verses we've been looking at. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always. What does God want from me? What is he expecting he wants me to be a joyful person who's rejoicing daily throughout the day. He wants me to be a praying person. But today, I want us to camp out on that third and final part of this, verse 18, which talks about giving thanks in all circumstances. Now, as you search for God's will for you, here's one interesting thing I've noticed most people, when they ask that question, are more interested in the destination. Sometimes I think we almost have destination disease. We're very interested in where is all this leading, but can I tell you what I'm learning about God's will? God is more interested not in the destination so much as who we're becoming on the journey. Now that's worth your whole time in church today, your whole time in worship, just that one principle, trust me, God is a lot more interested in who you're becoming. When you think about it, there's lots of jobs you could have to earn a living that would be glorifying to God. There are lots of places you could live. There are lots of roads you could go down in life that are good and moral and upright and God-honoring. 
But God is interested in the, char- in the person you're becoming, your character on that journey. That's what God really cares even more about than the precise destination. So today, let's camp out on those five words, give thanks in all circumstances. If you're taking notes, this might be a good place to jump in. The first words I want us to look at are these, give thanks. You may want to write that down. Now, this kind of indicates that that thanks cost you something. It's something you give. It's something you do. But I believe there's a fallacy about this that's common in our thinking in this culture. I believe we tend to look at something like that and we think, you know what? You're either born a grateful person or you're not. You're either one of those people who gets up every day and sings, oh, what a beautiful morning, oh, what a beautiful day. You're just kind of one of those people, you know? You're kind of either born a tigger, in Winnie the Pooh language, uh, you're either born a tigger or you're born an Eeyore. There's nothing you can do about it. It's just in your genes. But biblically speaking, nothing could be further from the truth. What we find if we really study this is that no, contentment, gratitude, thanksgiving, all those kinds of things are things that we can learn. You learn them by practicing them. In fact, you could think of it this way. Telling isn't teaching. Listening isn't learning. You learn to do by doing. And becoming a thankful, grateful person is one of those things you learn to do by doing. It's a learned habit of the heart. Years ago, when Grace was uh, uh, just getting started, the early, early years, uh, Chris and Pam Stanley and some other young pioneering parents in our church uh, mentored other young families in a ministry called Growing Families. It was all about how to be a better parent. Wow, what an awesome ministry it was. The content of that curriculum that they studied together in small groups was awesome. But one of the things that they taught young parents to do when your children were so, they weren't even talking yet. Your children are just several months old. They, They taught them a few little things to say in sign language, okay? And one of the first things that you, they would teach a, a very young child, less than a year old in sign language is this, more. It means more. And it, you come to understand that, boy, this is about all a kid needs to survive at that point. More. Sippy cup empty. Need more. Would like to eat more food. More. More, please. More. Uh, awake, but I want to sleep more. More. And so what the parents said is that teaching that little sign more was a cinch. I mean, you could just introduce it to your child, although so young, and by the next day, they had mastered it and were using it regularly. But there's another sign that these parents tried to teach their children, which was a little tougher to teach, and that was this. It means thank you. And so, Although they taught their kids this, they taught them thank you, the parents would testify that, wow, our kids are really good at doing this. More, more. But we have to keep reminding them and trying to convince them that saying thank you is a good thing to do. And you know what I believe 
as we grow up, I think it's kind of the same way. I think we've become pretty good at looking toward heaven and going, more, more. But I think that many of us are really challenged. In fact, we're not even convinced that it's all that important to look to heaven and go, thank you. Thank you, God. You know why? Because more has to do with what we get, and thank you has to do with what we give. But what we learn is that if you study thanksgiving, you'll find that when you practice that and begin to become good at giving thanks, you get so much more back in return. Psychology Today reported on a massive research study conducted by Emmons and McCullough. And they separated these two groups of volunteers into different study groups. They were going to study this particular exercise that they were giving them and then what the outcome was of it. One group of participants were told to keep a Thanksgiving journal. Here's what that meant. Just list daily as they come to your mind. Be in tune to this, all the things you're thankful for. The second study group, the second group was asked to keep an annoyance journal. Boy, I tell you, everything that annoys you through the day, big or small, just write it down in your journal. And you know what they found after weeks and weeks of this going on? These are some of the results. They found that those who kept the Thanksgiving journals had a markedly greater increase of energy and enthusiasm. They slept better, and they were significantly less depressed. We think of it as giving thanks, but the truth is, when we do it, we get an awful lot back in return. Servers at restaurants, this is the truth, who write thank you on the tab, on the receipt, tend to get a bigger tip. That's the truth. Uh, people who are in social work, when their clients say thank you, Social workers tend to visit those clients more in the future. People who are stopped on the street and asked for directions, been in study after study. If they're thanked for giving directions, seem to be more eager and willing to give thanks in the future. Dads who wash dishes at home and are thanked tend to be more willing to do it again. Moms and dads who cook dinner at home when they're thanked tend to be more willing if you want to change the culture in your home, if you want to change the culture in your business office or your school, just start practicing the giving of thanks. I tell you, it'll make a lot of difference. And the more specific you are, the more powerful it is. You try it. Giving thanks is an important thing to learn. But telling is a teaching. Listening is it learning. You learn to do it by doing it. But now let's turn our attention to two other words in this little five-word segment. Not just give thanks, but let's look at now the all circumstances part. Give thanks in all circumstances. Now, I believe that there's this fallacy here as well. The first fallacy was that you're kind of born that way or you're not. You're born as a thankful person who's kind of up and happy about life or you're not. 
you're an Eeyore. Or, but the truth is, the truth is that we're not just born that way, we really learn it by doing it. But here, I believe there's also a fallacy at work here. We might put it like this, abundance plus comfort equals thanksgiving. I believe that's the fallacy that we believe. And as we enter Thanksgiving week, this is very powerful. Because I think that many people in our area right now are going, you know what, if I just had a little bit more, if, if I just had a better job, if, if my spouse wasn't so crotchety, if, if I just had a better situation in life, if, if things weren't quite so, you know, um, painful at times, uh, and I had more comfort, then it would be easy for me to give thanks. The fallacy is that abundance plus comfort equals thanksgiving. But the truth of the matter is, abundance plus comfort actually leads to discontentment. I mean, that's the real story right there. The thing is, the more we get, the more we tend to want. The more we think we need. And whatever we have now pales in comparison to what we might still get. And so abundance and comfort tend to lead to discontentment. I mean, let me illustrate this with, with your own life. If, if I had been able to tell you 10 years ago, many of you, it's not true with everyone, of course, there are exceptions, but if I'd been able to tell you that you'd be making as much money as you're making today and have some of the blessings that you have today in your life, here's what you would have said, it is more than enough. Oh man, I would be so ecstatic. You talk, I would be a joyful person. I would be giving thanks every moment of every day if I had that level of play and that level of blessing. But the truth is, we get it, and we're still going. A little bit more. In fact, let's go back. If abundance plus comfort equals thanksgiving then America ought to be the most thankful nation and culture that has ever existed on planet Earth. That's the truth. If this is true, abundance plus comfort equals thanksgiving. According to the census, 76% of poor families, that is households living below the poverty line, 76% of them today have air conditioning, while 30 years ago, only 36% of households in the entire country had air conditioning. We're more comfortable now, in other words, than we've ever been in many, many ways. In 1973, the average new house was about 1,600 square feet. That's in 73. Today, the average new house being built is 2,400 square feet. More abundance than ever before. Of the over 46 million Americans right now living below the poverty line. Now listen, this is folks below the poverty level. 74% of them own a car or truck. 90% plus pay for some kind of television, be that cable, satellite, internet. And 53% have a video game system in their home. 53%. Below the poverty level. 
So relatively speaking, I mean, I know there are exceptions, but there's more abundance. There was more comfort than we've ever, ever had. So if abundance plus comfort equals thanksgiving, America should be the most thankful. But are we? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. Psychologist Martin Seligman conducted a massive study of depression in America. And he found this, and I find this to be very interesting. He found that people born after 1945 in this country, this is so interesting, are 10 times more likely to be depressed than people born before 1945. Now, what that makes that so intriguing to me is that 1945, if you know your American history, World War II has just ended, and it, it was the beginning of an explosion of abundance and prosperity in this country, generally speaking, in almost every sector. It was the beginning of these baby boom years, 1946 to 1964. More abundance, incredible growth in the economy. And yet Seligman says that we're 10 times more to commit suicide, to be, feel hopeless, to want to just give up on life than people born before 1945. He studied primitive cultures in other countries. One tribe in New Guinea, there seems to be no evidence of despair at all. You say, well, what's your point, pastor? It seems, here's the point, it seems that all the material prosperity is not leading to more thankfulness and more joy. In fact, what we're finding and said is not only does it lead to discontentment, but we also see that abundance plus comfort leads to entitlement, right? It does. We say, well, yeah, I'm glad to have this, but I, I deserved it, and uh, I'm glad it finally got here. It, it really took a long time coming, but it's finally here. It should have been here long ago. And that's the way we feel about it. By the way, if you don't believe that that is true generally of our country, and if this doesn't apply to you, God bless you, just take yourself out of the equation. But I have seen children lined up in feeding lines in other countries that are very, very poor, waiting patiently in line for their little meal to be served and their little cup of Kool-Aid in a plastic cup to be given to them, and they're so proper and so poised and so polite. And they will carefully eat that and then make sure that everybody has been fed before they would dare go up and ask for another cup of Kool-Aid. Try that on kids in America. In the same situation, I've seen it here in our culture where these kids feel a sense of entitlement. And I'm going to get two before anybody else even gets one. It really is true. Abundance plus comfort can lead to a sense of entitlement. But third, and this is amazing, abundance plus comfort can also lead to complaining. Did you know folks who've studied behavior on airplanes have discovered that people in first class, this is the truth, complain more than people in coach and economy do? Just complaining all the time. Now, when you're sitting in coach or economy class and you look at those folks way up there in first class, you think, oh, it would be so cool to get your drink earlier, you know. 
your soda. It'd be so cool to just kind of have a, a warm, wet, moist towel to kind of wipe your face with like they're getting up there. We get a lousy napkin back here. And you think, man, oh, their meals, wow, they're, they're amazing. Look at that service up there. I would be so happy, so thankful to be sitting up there. But no. People in first class, the authorities say, complain more frequently and more vociferously than people sitting in coach. So what have we seen? Far from the common understanding that abundance plus comfort equals thanksgiving. Oh, if I just had this, I would, I would be so thankful. No, we see it leads to discontentment, entitlement, and even more complaining. So how, how, how in the world can we begin to foster this sense of giving thanks in all circumstances? How can we do that? How can we become more thankful people? Well, quickly, let me mention three biblical ideas. These are practical now. They're just going to flash on the, the screen here. Three things. You might want to jot some of these down, and we'll look at a verse that supports each of them. There are many verses that support them. But I want to give you three practical things you can do to e express thanks and become better at saying thank you to God. One way would be by singing, by singing. You know, singing is a great way to say thank you and become a more grateful person. The psalmist writes in Psalm 147, verse 7, sing to the Lord with thanksgiving, make music to our God on the harp. And so wh whatever it would mean for you to do this, it might mean, uh, you know, putting your radio on Pandora to some Christian station or Christian music rather and just listening listening to song after song and singing along, maybe when you're at home, or, or maybe singing in your car, Christian station or, or a CD of worship or something like that. It'll help foster thankfulness in you. You say, well, I don't always feel like that. I, I know, I don't either. <laughs> but here's what, something I've learned in my own life. When I feel the least like singing to God is probably the time I need to do it the most. That's just the truth of the matter. When I feel the least like doing it, it's probably the time I need it the most. Another way we can express thanks is by serving. Serving is huge in the Bible as a way of kind of giving back and expressing our thankfulness to people and to God. Hebrews 12, 28 is one of my favorite verses. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, what a great idea that is. We're a part of God's kingdom and it cannot be shaken. It cannot be conquered. It is as solid as can be. Let us show gratitude. In other words, let's be thankful for that. My goodness, nothing can take this away by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. Serving is a great way to give thanks. And our motives there are important, of course. We don't serve just to get something from people. We serve, we serve just because we want to say thank you, because it's the right thing 
to do. And number three, we can give thanks by giving. Giving. First Chronicles chapter 16 reads, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Giving is a way to show thanks to God. And Scripture teaches... Scripture teaches that the level of sacrifice involved in our giving is a good gauge of our gratitude. Let me say that again. The level of sacrifice involved when we give is a good gauge of our level of gratitude. We give because we're grateful to God. It certainly works that way relationally here on earth. When Valentine's Day rolls around, when Mother's Day, Father's Day rolls around, if you have someone in your life you want to say thank you to, you, you probably write them a little card. But you may also drop a little gift in that card. Or if someone does something nice for you and you want to express appreciation, you might, you might send a note or maybe a little gift card or something. There's a correlation, a heavy correlation between gratitude and generosity in the Bible. And that thanksgiving shows itself through giving a gift. We see in this verse that we're to give thanks and we're to do it in all circumstances. But as we wrap this up today, there's one little word that I'm convinced is the most important word of all in verse 18. You may not think so at first, but what hinges around this little word is vitally important. It's the little preposition in, I-N. Let's talk about that for a few moments as we wrap up. It says, give thanks in all circumstances. Now notice, it does not say give thanks for all circumstances. It's perfectly right and good to be thankful for things, But this is a completely different idea. And I want to be sure that we understand why he says give thanks in rather than thanks for. Now, occasionally, say people say something that to a total stranger who may not understand the context may sound weird. They might even think you're a bit masochistic. I've heard people say, I thank God for this cancer. You know what? When I hear a Christian say that, You know what? I get it. I get it. And they usually confirm it when they explain what they mean by that. You know what? This cancer has gotten my attention. Boy, now I focus more on eternal things. I focus more on what is not seen. It's helped me get my priorities straight, right? It's happened to many. I've heard men say, I thank God for this heart attack. You go, what? Are you crazy? No, what they mean is what God did through this is wonderful. It's helped me to understand what is really important in life. But that's not what he's saying here. It's fine to give thanks for things, but God wants us to give thanks in all things. Now, how can we possibly do that? As we wrap this up, I'm going to give you four quick reasons why we can give thanks in all things. Number one, We can do it because he has a greater purpose than I can see. 
God is omniscient. He sees down the road. He sees further than I do. He's got a purpose that he's working in this. In fact, would you jot down another verse? Because I always put this verse together with 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Would you jot down Romans 8.28 in your notes? Because this is what makes it all work together. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, give thanks in all things, in all circumstances. Romans 8.28 says, God works in all things. Give thanks in everything? Why? Why would I ever do that? Because God works in everything for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. We can have confidence and a trust in this situation, even situations that seem to have no redeeming value whatsoever because we know biblically when we belong to God, he's working it all together towards some higher purpose. Folks, I want to tell you that makes all the difference in the world. I don't know how nihilists live. I don't know how atheists make it. I don't know how existentialists who believe there's no purpose whatsoever to this, I don't know how they get by in life. I want to know that there's some design. The Bible says to the Christ follower, listen, God's got your back here. And whatever you're experiencing right now that's stretching you, whatever you're experiencing right now that may be a bit uncomfortable or downright painful, I want you to know something. God's got a higher purpose he's working. And therefore, therefore, because he's working in this, you can give thanks in this. A second reason we can give thanks in all circumstances is because he can work in me so that I can grow. All the challenging things that may be coming your way this Thanksgiving season. All the things that make it difficult for you to be truly thankful. God can work through that stuff to grow you. The scripture says a lot about that, by the way. 1 Peter 2, 2. Like newborn babes long for the pure milk of the word that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. 2 Peter 3.18 says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. God wants to grow us up. He's got this marvelous plan in mind. He wants to take us from here to there. The way we say it at grace, by the way, and I hope you're becoming more familiar with these terms, we say that you go from exploring Christ to beginning in Christ to close to Christ to finally becoming a fully Christ-centered person. That's the most mature follower of all. But that whole thing, that whole matrix represents growth. That's what the whole thing is about. The whole thing is about growing, and God wants that for you. Let me ask you a personal question. No, I'm getting a little personal here. But have you grown closer to Christ in the last 12 months can you, can you honestly say, you know what? I'm seeing more of his purpose here. He's stretching me and growing me, and I can see it. Even in the last 12 months, I know that I've moved in maturity closer to Christ. Can you say that? God wants that for you. Your brothers and sisters around you honestly need that from you. 
because when one person gets stuck, it sets off a tsunami of consequences for other people. But when one person is moving in Christ and growing, guess what? It sets off a tsunami of consequences for other people that are positive. We all need each other, folks. God didn't design the Christian life to be lived alone. He designed it to be lived in community together. And so he wants to grow us together. That's why we so desperately want everyone to be involved and everyone to up their level of commitment. Third, another reason we can be thankful in all things is because he will give me the power so that I can overcome. Some of you feel, <laughs> we're talking to, today about giving thanks in all circumstances. Some of you feel under the circumstances, don't you? You feel under the pile today. I know you do. And some of you have got some pretty good reasons to feel like life has kind of caved in on you and here you are trying to make it through the piles of life. It's a tough place to be. I say to you today, on the authority of God's word, he's gonna give you the power to overcome that because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God is gonna give you the power to overcome. There's one final reason, though, that we can obey this verse and we can give thanks in all all circumstances, and that's because God gave his son so that we could be saved. We can give thanks in all circumstances because of Jesus. One of my favorite stories is about a man who went on a mission trip, and he saw things he'd never seen before, but he visited on this particular trip a leper colony in another country, where men and women who'd been ravaged by the scourge of leprosy and had, you know, body parts that had been eaten away by this disease, he, he saw them there, and, and many of them were followers of Jesus. And he, he told about, when he came back, he told about being a part of a worship service where a person was up on the platform playing a guitar, leading this group of lepers in worship to the Lord. And at one point, the, the leader said, uh, do we have any requests for songs you'd like to sing? And he said, uh, one woman in the back raised a fingerless hand, and he said, I, I looked back, and, and I noticed that the disease had also eaten away her nose and her lips, and through slurred speech, she said, can we sing Count Your Many Blessings? What could cause a person in that situation to want to count their blessings? Jesus. She had Jesus in her life. Do you? Now, I want to tell you something, and I'm almost done. I want to tell you something as you enter this Thanksgiving season. If you've got Jesus... You never deserved him. And that alone, if he never did another good thing for you or me, I'm in the same boat, folks. We should be thanking him for the rest of our lives that he forgave all of our sins, adopted us into his family, and is literally changing us from the inside out. But we got a choice to make. And that's what 
That's what this verse teaches us. We've got a choice to make. We can go into this week of Thanksgiving pounding on the tray of our high chair going, more, 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 God, more. Or we can choose to look at all that he's given us and all that he will give us in the future. And we can choose to say, thank you. Thank you, God. You are so good to me. Father, we want to be a people that live that way, who understand that we can give thanks in all circumstances. Wow, because you have got a purpose. You're going to grow us. You're going to give us the power to overcome. And best of all, we've got you. We didn't deserve you. We didn't deserve forgiveness. We didn't deserve your grace, but you gave it anyway. Thank you, thank you, a thousand times thank you. In Jesus we pray, amen.